Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and we're smack dab in the middle of Lent. I don't know what you chose to consider for these Lenten days, a time of repentance for the church, a time of remembering what Christ did and why he did it, a time of remembering with, with earnestness what the days and weeks look like prior to the crucifixion, and then, of course, the ready-glad heart for the resurrection and Easter Sunday. I'm always quite interested in humanity and how we love to celebrate. And we don't like to repent very much, do we? And yet, in the, in the presence of leaders who've gone before us, they chose to give us a very long period of time for considering a repentance and a very short period of time for celebration. Um, there's something there in that description and formula and alone. Well, I um, have told you that this is a very important personal time for me. I, I really look hungrily forward. If you've been listening at all the last few weeks, you know that my audience, you, uh, who I love very much and pray for with great regularity, um, blessed me by sending me the words to a song, which I um, knew only a small one phrase of, and now I have had this Lent to look at all of the words and to think about it and uh, the intent of the author, even to sing it a little aloud. Don't worry, I promise not to do that on air, <laughs> especially with this gravel gurdy voice I have. But today I want to just give you some thoughts on this 27th or 28th day of Lent, depending upon when you're listening to it. We are more than halfway through, but, but right about the halfway spot. And I want to just encourage you with a few Lenten ideas and a hope to remind you that one of the things we do here is to encourage women to be ready, to be prepared. And if you have not watched or listened to the Home for Christmas seminar, um, I encourage you to do that. Buy it and invite a group of friends to come in and watch it with you. But it is chock-a-block full of ways to get prepared for Christmas. This huge event that we have every year and we talk about organization and gift giving and gift wrapping. And I'm so delighted to say that at Easter, we don't have any of that. And if you have children, you may have a basket, an Easter basket. You may have to buy some Easter somethings. But we don't, we don't have much of that. Not too much shopping, not too much buying. There's, of course, an Easter menu and an Easter day. And I hope you'll get prepared for that and invite some people in. I hope you'll do it the easiest, most uncomplicated way possible. I hope you'll demonstrate your hospitality by having things ready when people get there. And I hope you'll feel free to have a potluck. Great time to serve ham, great time to serve lamb, great time to have spring vegetables. We still bring out an old raspberry jello recipe that we've been making for 35 years and everybody loves it, even those of us who don't eat jello anymore or very, very little of it. So get prepared. I talked to you early in March about the customs and how these things came to be and the wearing of the finery and dresses and the parading around. They were so happy 
to have this time after church and, and it was the baptisms were happening on Easter and in some churches they still have baptism on Easter. I just think it's so terrific. But those who had been baptized all had their white and beautiful robes on. So they wanted them to parade around a little in them. And they want to go in and just take them off. And so the Easter finery grew into having a new something. Maybe that would be nice for you. Maybe this is the year to think about a new dress or a new pair of shoes or a new hat or something because this time the Lord has changed your heart and you do feel new. But get ready for it. Get prepared for it. And then I want to encourage you again to look on our free web resources and you just go to the holidays and go to Easter and the Easter basket is there plenty of time left for you to get all the ingredients that represent every day of what is called Holy Week. Why do we call it Holy Week? Well, it was the last week before Jesus died, and it started with him coming into Bethany on Palm Sunday and the waving of the branches, all written about in the scripture. And then in the next eight days, a number of things transpired. And that week has been set aside for all of us to evaluate them and look at them. And I often say to you that your Bibles might have a harmony of the Gospels in them. If you have a study Bible, you might never have found it even, but it's called the harmony of the Gospels. And if you don't have it in your Bible, I promise you, I haven't done it yet, but I'm sure if you go online and ask for a harmony of the Gospels, you will find somewhere toward the end of the harmony all the things that happen beginning on the Sunday when Jesus triumphantly enters into Jerusalem. And then there's the second day when he's in Bethany, and the third day when he has the fig tree experience. And every day, Thursday, when he has the preparation for the final supper and washes their feet, the sixth day and the seventh day. And if you want to have a very rich experience, you don't have to buy anything, you don't have to do anything, just want to bring it to your children, to your family, to your own heart, look at the harmony of the Gospels and read for every day how Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had something to say. John has the least to say about those first five or six days, and then maybe the most to say starting on the sixth and seventh day, but they're all there exactly where you can find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Wonderful to read it in each different voice. So those are some thoughts I have about preparation for this very holy, unique time, set apart time. And then I just want to talk to you from my heart about the things that I've been experiencing. And, and a thought that came to my mind was, this is certainly the time to drop religion and be quiet. I, I talked to you a few weeks ago about retreating and what it took to have a retreat. Oh, I, I just want to implore you. I want to beg you to, to stop. Sometime between now and Good Friday, will you stop, steal away an hour if you have nothing more, a half a day if you can, 
guard it, hire a babysitter, beg your mother to take the children, tell your husband you'll make a fabulous dinner the next night if he'll cook mac and cheese for the kids. Anything you can do to steal away with just you and the Lord, a whole day would be amazing. An overnight would even be better. Maybe there's a retreat center. So many, especially major cities in America, have retreat centers. Maybe there's one in your neighborhood. Sometimes it's just going into a park. A lot of you live in cities that there are huge parks and huge trees. And hiding under a tree for a few hours. Turn your face toward the tree like a child is being put in the corner and face toward the corner so you're not so distracted by all the beauty of the earth. Maybe it's a churchyard. Maybe it's a prayer garden. One, several of the churches in my neighborhood have prayer gardens. They're just open 24-7. You just go in their gardens. I know a place that's very, very often open as early as daylight and stays open until the dawn, till the dusk, I should say, till the daylight dwindles, till nighttime. And that's a cemetery. Oh, Donna, that sounds so, oh, maybe not. Uh, It's quite a holy place when you think of how many families have been there and how much love has been poured over someone who is lost. And as you know, not long ago, less than 10 years ago, someone very dear to me died, and uh, I never thought I could enjoy a cemetery so much. But I go there and sit near the gravesite, and it is quiet and peaceful. Maybe it's a friend's basement or a guest room, or maybe the kid's room while they're in school. Maybe you feel like there's a time of drawing closer to your children if you were to take some quiet time that you know the Lord would lead you to that. Maybe it's your clothes closet, and you've heard me talk about my prayer closet, and yes, I have a beautiful prayer closet with a door and shelves for my books and a kneeler. It's a beautiful space, but I didn't start there. I started literally in my closet on the floor underneath the long hanging shirts where no one could find me. And they didn't. They never looked for me in there. Jesus went apart to pray. He did. There is no doubt in my mind that he set a sterling example for us. And he went apart to pray, to listen to his father. I find that whole idea really staggering. Like, this is Jesus, a member of the Trinity. He is part of God. God is part of him. And yet, he separates himself. And if you read through the Gospels, you'll see many times when he goes to the mountain, when he takes a few disciples off someplace, he goes out into the night, he rises early in the morning. And this last week, during Holy Week, he goes to the olive trees. And if you've been to Jerusalem, you see these old olive trees where they believe he prayed. He went to pray and took those who fell asleep. But he went there to listen to be sure that he knew it was God's will. And he says to God, his father, our father, if it be your will, let this pass. And it was not his will to let it pass. It was his will for Jesus to surrender himself, to yield himself. Repentance to me is all about surrendering and yielding. And I'm very bad at it. I I find myself giving, uh, my mother used to say this, you, you, giving an inch, uh, if I give you an inch, you'll take a, a yard. 
and if I give you an inch, you'll take a mile. And so she didn't want to give me an inch. And, and I, I think about it when I, when I give an inch, I think, oh, I'm surrendering, I'm giving an inch, and, and I feel this, oh, I want to give a mile. But surrendering and yielding is a very hard thing for all of us. And I have this insight during this Lenten time that I want to share with you because it's real personal to me, but I think it's also quite uh, human nature. I'm not diminishing my own um, wrongdoing in it, but it's easier for me to yield or surrender to something, small or large, if I understand it. Really important thing for the auto woman. If I know it, if I know something about it, if I do know, if I do understand, then I will be easier. Oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm, I'm exaggerating it because it's so painful to me. It's so painful to me. And for the first time ever, I saw Mary, the mother of Jesus, in light of yielding without understanding. And I've taught these lessons, I've read these passages, I've read the Bible through many times. So think about with me just for a moment, Mary, whose first encounter with the angel says, okay, we're, we're going to have a baby inside of you and you're not going to be with anybody. You think she understands that? She does not understand that. Uh, we don't understand it. We're still wondering if an immaculate conception really, that's really true. Many faiths still question that. I don't question it. But they do question it. It's because it's bizarre and it never happened before. And then it was giving birth to the Savior. She didn't understand it. But she said, Behold unto me, I am your handmaiden. Behold unto you, I will do what you ask me to do. And then I spotted these places in Mary's life. Do you remember when Jesus, they go to the temple? I'm sure they're going for some feast day. They've gone into the city. They live out of the city. And they start going back home with the tribe of people that they come and go with, and they can't find Jesus. They go back to the temple and they find him. And what does Jesus say to her? I'm about my father's business. Did she understand that Jesus was about his father's business? No. Because if she had understood that it was Jesus was about his father's business, she wouldn't have gone in the temple and said, why did you not? She was a mother. She was being a mother. She lost her 11-year-old or 9-year-old kid. But it goes on from there. And think about these very encounters that we read about in the scripture with, with Mary. The next time I think it happens, it's at the wedding. And they ran out of wine, and she knows he's God, and he can make it happen. And she goes to him, and what does he say to her then? He says to her, I, this is not my hour. She, she still doesn't understand. He, he's, he's now in his 30s. And then later in Mark, we read in a number of the Gospels, we read this account that Mary and brothers, her sons, her other sons, are going, and the Greek word is like to accost. They are going to get Jesus because Mary, he's doing too much. He's too busy. He's too much. Mothers, have you thought about that way? Maybe not for your daughters, but your boony boys. If they do too much, you want them to come home and go to bed and have a bath. And so did the Jewish mother of Jesus. And what does he say to her? I've said this once in front of a theologian who said never. But I said, you know, if you listen to the tone of that, you might think Jesus was being a little sarcastic. Who are my mother and my brothers? And then he says, my mother and brothers and sisters are those who do the will of God. 
He does not say, okay, Mother Mary, you are my mother and I'm going home. Does she understand it? She doesn't understand it. She goes to the cross. She's at the cross. Do you think she understands, like knows and understands the purpose of all this? She didn't have the canon. She didn't have the doctrine. She didn't have the gospels. She was living the gospel. She didn't have understanding of what the three days was going to be. She didn't understand why they were killing her son in this brutal way. Yet she yielded herself, even to the last words that her son speaks to her. He says to John, behold your mother. Dear Mary, just like you and me, she gave me great courage. She didn't understand. They didn't call her to understand and then ask if she would do it. We have all been plunged into despair when we felt left and desolate and angry and alone. Don't you think the, the disciples felt that way? He had left them, and they felt desperate and alone. And then Jesus says to him, It is better that I go away, because what is going to come is better. They didn't get that. They didn't understand that. But they followed. They ran and hid, but they came back, and they did the work. And the Holy Spirit came, and they had more than Christ in their midst. They had Christ in their heart. Do you have Christ in your heart? Do you have more of Christ in your heart because of these days of remembering Lent, of remembering it's a time of repentance? Do you have more of Christ in your heart? And do you have a heart that's full of him but needs some changing? Oh, I pray that you will pray with me this time. Change my heart. We are Modern Homemakers, and I am Donna Otto, and it's been fun to be together in this subject. Thank you for letting me share it with you. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of yielding without understanding.